It is good to be with you. Menlo, we got to talk about something. We got to talk about the E word. It's a word that some people really like, but not everybody likes. We need to talk about evangelism. And I know when we talk about evangelism, it brings up all kinds of images and thoughts. Maybe for you, it's a religiously zealot family member or friend who seems to have to push their beliefs on you or others, which then causes us to even ask the question, should we be doing that? Should we be telling people what they should believe? Can't we just let them believe what they believe and will believe what we believe, right? Maybe images come to your mind when you hear of evangelism of missionary movements that have gone sideways. And I believe missions is at the heart of God. But there have been missionary movements that have felt at times as if they were more concerned with the people they were seeking to share the good news with looking like them, looking like the Westerner, looking like the European, more than looking like Jesus. And if you're a history buff, then probably an image that can come to mind when you think about evangelism is the Crusades, those horrific, unconscionable wars that were conducted often in the name of Jesus. But wonder, what if the word evangelism, which is a Bible word, it's in the scripture, what, are, what if the word evangelism has been misused? And what if evangelism is actually an invitation to step into the loving way of Jesus? That's what we want to talk about. We actually want to talk about that over the next five weeks. We're in a series that we've entitled Unlikely Witness. And we're going to talk about what does it look like to be witnesses to Jesus? Uh, what's the message of the witness? Um, how do you do it and not be obnoxious? How, do you, uh, how are you a witness who's somewhat normal, right? And we're hoping, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it now, we're hoping at the end of this um, series that you will jump in. In June, we're going to be hosting some book clubs, uh, and we're going to be reading this book, The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversation. It was written by a couple people who lived here in Silicon Valley, so they kind of know our context. Um, and we would love for you at the end of this series to jump into a book club or even more. We would love for you to consider leading a book club. So if that's something you could do, would you reach out to your campus and they'd love to help you and equip you to do that this summer. So Menlo, let's, uh, let's talk about evangelism. Jesus uses a different word, the word witness, to say a similar thing, to speak of evangelism. And he says this in Acts chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1. Uh, we'll start in the first verse. Let me pray and we'll dive in. Father, we um, just ask you, would you come? Would you speak to us? And I think of even those who hearing the word evangelism uh, might be causing fear, might be causing angst, might be disruptive. I pray, Lord, that 
we would hear your heart for this. We would hear your words to us. Father, I pray that this would impact us, not just as individuals, but as a church. And so I invite you, Lord, to speak to us. And would the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we turn to Acts chapter 1, this book was written by Luke, who had also written the Gospel of Luke. So we consider Acts in a lot of ways his sequel, his part two. And so he says this, in my former book, the Gospel of Luke, he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, those who would be leaders in the church. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I love this because, you see, um, they were not expecting a resurrection. They weren't expecting Jesus to die, and they weren't expecting him to be risen. And so Jesus needed to give them proof that he wasn't just a ghost. So he gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That's the message of Jesus, the kingdom of God. And he tells them now, he says, stay in Jerusalem, stay where you are. And then verse six, then they gathered around Jesus and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his authority. And we need to pause here because this is significant to what they had now witnessed about Jesus. You see, prior to this time, prior to the resurrection, um, they had seen Jesus as king. They had seen him as their king, but they had understood him to be an ordinary king who would usher in an ordinary kingdom. And that's why there's a number of times when the disciples ask if they could get a job in that kingdom, if they could have a job in that government. Uh, they wanna be top-ranking officials. But now, in these 40 days where Jesus has been sharing with them about the kingdom of God and what his resurrection means to that, now they see that Jesus is no ordinary king. And he's not gonna usher in an ordinary kingdom. He's actually gonna usher in the kingdom of God because Jesus is God. He's God the king. He's the king not just of Israel, he's the king of the world. He's gonna restore Israel, yes, but he's also gonna restore all of creation. The book of Revelation tells us um, and gives us a picture of this restoration, this ultimate kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. This kingdom that will be the kingdom of the new heaven and the new earth joining together. And in that place, there will be no more suffering. There will be no more tears. It will be a place in which there is freedom to fully live in our created purpose. This is God's kingdom. 
So Jesus had been telling them about the perfect fulfillment of his kingdom that is coming, and naturally, they wanted to know when that would be. And Jesus simply responds by telling them, you're not going to get a calendar invite. You're not going to know the day and the time, but it is coming. And here's what's interesting about God's kingdom, is that God's kingdom is now. Jesus said that when he entered into his public ministry. He said, the kingdom is here because the king is here. The kingdom is contained in Jesus. But then he also says the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is not fully consummated. The the kingdom is going to come in its fullness. He talks about the kingdom being like a little mustard seed that you can barely see, but it's gonna grow into a great bush that will be a place where creation can thrive and live and be. And what's important about this and was important to that first group who heard this message in Acts, and it's important to us today, is that we're invited into being a part of ushering in this kingdom. We're a part of God's plan for his kingdom. We won't know exactly where we are in that plan. And and that's kind of helpful for me at times, right? To know that I don't know where I am in God's plan. I don't know if I'm in this part of the calendar of Jesus bringing about the fulfillment of his kingdom or am I over here in this part of the calendar? I don't know where I am on the time frame, but I can know this. Jesus says it in verse seven and eight of Acts chapter one. He says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You can know that I'm gonna give you power for participating in my plan. We're actually gonna talk about this more in the coming weeks of this series. And then he says, and you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say, I hope you'll be my witnesses. Or maybe if you try hard enough, or if you get good enough, you can be my witnesses. No, I love this. He just says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right where you are, and in Judea, and in Samaria, which was an area with with people that they didn't necessarily like, but God loved the Samaritans and he wanted them to go there. And it says, and to the ends of the earth, you will be my witness, he says. Witness is a word that shows up in the Bible over 400 times. It shows up in the Old Testament, I think it's 207 times. Uh, There's a Hebrew word for witness. And then in the New Testament, there is a Greek word for witness. And that word witness means this, it means, in the, in the context of the scripture, in the words that are used, it means someone who sees something amazing or important. A witness is someone who sees something amazing or important. And then there's a word for bearing witness, telling of that 
amazing or important thing that you've seen. And we do this all the time. I did this just recently. You see, I saw and I experienced an important and amazing meal in Palo Alto, right? And why that's important is because I used to live in Los Angeles where you couldn't go 30 feet without finding amazing food. And I've been here in a pandemic and we can debate this, but maybe I haven't found quite the amazing food I'm looking for, but I did at this restaurant in Palo Alto. A friend of mine had a reservation and she invited me to join her. And I mean, it was like everything we ordered was just incredible, right? (laughs) Every taste, every bite. And so I had to bear witness to this. And I'm on a Zoom call a few days after that meal with our campus pastor in San Jose, Josh Robertson. And Josh didn't exactly ask me for a restaurant recommendation. I don't even remember what we were talking about. I think they were down in Southern California and we were talking about that. But I felt the need to bear witness to him of this amazing restaurant in Palo Alto. And then later that very same day, I was walking my dog in my neighborhood and I ran into my neighbors, Brett and Taylor Corton, who actually happened to be on our staff as well. And they were in their car and they pulled over. I think they pulled over to say hi to me and my dog, Queso, but I took the opportunity to bear witness, to tell them, even though they did not ask, of this amazing restaurant, because I was still thinking about it. I was still thinking about that meal. And so I had to tell them of this amazing and important experience I had had at the restaurant in Palo Alto. And if you would like to know what that restaurant is, follow us on social media, and I'll make sure our social people put it up on Instagram. There's a little... There's a little hook right there for you, right? But we do it all the time. We have opinions and things that we've experienced or we've seen or we've bought a new product and we, we, we bear witness to it, to our friends and to our family members and our coworkers and people who don't even really want our opinion about this thing, right? To be a witness is to see something amazing or important and share it. To be a witness is to see something and to say something. And here's a quick look at that word through the scripture. It first shows up in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. We see that God wants a group of witnesses. He wants people who will bear witness, who have seen him because he is amazing and he is important and he wants his people, this group of witnesses to bear witness of his goodness to the world. And he picks a whole bunch of unlikely people, a whole bunch of unlikely witnesses. In the book of Genesis, we see him choosing and inviting people in, people who did not worship Yahweh, who now did worship Yahweh. He chooses women. That was so radical and crazy. Prostitutes, right? He invites into this Gentiles. He invites people who are insecure and afraid and self-consumed. He invites people like me, and I'm glad for that. 
The theme continues and the word witness continues into the book of Exodus where the Israelites will witness God's power, his guidance, his goodness, his rescue, and they will bear witness to that. And then ultimately, God declares through the prophet Isaiah that he's gonna send a chief witness, a perfect witness. He's gonna send a servant out of Israel who will bring salvation to all people. And that witness is Jesus. You see, in Isaiah 49.6, God says he will make this witness, this servant, a light of the nations so that my salvation, this is what God says, so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And then, of course, we know Jesus declares of himself in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. And those readers of John in the early days, they would have known that Jesus was saying, I'm that light, I'm that witness, the servant that God is sending. Actually, John chapter one, verse seven tells us this, Jesus came as a witness to bear witness about the light, God himself, that all might believe through him. Jesus came to witness to who God is because he was God himself in the flesh amongst them. Jesus is the ultimate witness. And so when he says, you will be my witnesses, he invites us to be like him. He invites us on his journey. He invites us in his mission. And he invites us to say what we have seen, what we have heard, just like he did. Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, Jesus was saying, you've seen God. You've seen the King. And I imagine that this original group in Acts chapter one, this unlikely group of witnesses, when they received this news and they knew the context biblically for what Jesus was saying to them, they understood that he was inviting them to be witnesses of who he is and bear witness to that, to share that, to see him and to say something about him. And for them, they knew that that would most likely lead to physical persecution and potentially death. And we know in church history that for most of them, that is what happened. And over time, it's really interesting, over time, the Greek word for witness, which is martis, began to carry the connotation of martyr. Because they, these, this was a group of people willing to suffer or even die for bearing witness to King Jesus. And this is what this means for us. You see, Menlo Church, we are the unlikely witness. We've been invited in to be witnesses for Jesus. We're unlikely because nobody becomes a witness by earning the status of witness. 
Nobody becomes a witness for Jesus by being good enough. Nobody becomes a witness for Jesus by having a certain religious status. This is not something that just the paid professionals do, right? None of those early church leaders were paid to be church leaders. We become witnesses because we've seen God, because we've seen Jesus. We become witnesses because he came after us before we ever even thought about coming after him. We become witnesses to Jesus in spite of our pride, in spite of our failures, in spite of our imperfections. Jesus comes and he comes after us just as we are. And he uses us. And in that, he transforms us and he changes us. Menlo, we're unlikely witnesses in a really unlikely place. Probably you knew this, but pre-pandemic, censuses revealed that less than 3% of people living in Silicon Valley attend any kind of church. Less than 3%. but this is where we are and this is where we start. Beginning with the amazing and important thing that we have seen, we have seen Jesus. Have you seen him? And maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, that's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with us. But I want you to see Jesus. I want you to have an encounter with him. He's all over the pages of the Bible. He's a God like no other God. He shows up in our everyday lives. Maybe the very fact that you're here. Maybe somebody dragged you here, but maybe that's God's kindness to you. He shows up in mysterious ways, inviting us to himself I love to ask people the question, how did you come to see Jesus? And so often it's, it's nothing that a church would have strategized. It's nothing that I could have ever planned for a person. I can tell you that's true of my story. My heart and my hope for us is that we would all be people who have been witnesses of Jesus. Dallas Willard says this, he says, When we see Jesus, when we see Jesus as he is, we must turn away or else shamelessly adore him. When we see Jesus as he is, we must turn away or else shamelessly adore him. So here's my encouragement for you this week. First, take a look at Jesus. Even if you think you know him, I bet there's more to know. There sure is for me. Take a look at Jesus. See him. Witness him. One way to do this is just to crack open your Bible. Read one of the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pro tip, Mark is the shortest. I would encourage you, if you have time this week, maybe you've got a flight to New York, you got six hours, nothing else to do, don't get on the Wi-Fi, read the book of Mark in one sitting 
You'll get so much more out of it if you do it in one sitting. But if you don't have time this week, and I get that too, here's a quick route. Read Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 will give you so much about who Jesus is. So first, take a look at Jesus this week. And then second, shamelessly, I want to invite you to come back next week. We're going to talk about the message of the unlikely witness. And we're also going to have baptisms, which are awesome, and always a way of seeing Jesus's work in a person's life. And then another little shameless plug, jump in on the podcast, because I'm going to be talking to Mark and Jess about evangelism. I might even tell some crazy, weird evangelism stories. So jump in on the podcast. But would we be a community that has seen Jesus and helps others see Jesus. Oh Lord, I pray that that would be true of us. Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the resurrection, you are the life. You speak to a storm and it stops. You know my name and you call me your own. You see all that is broken in me and you still love me. You change me. You walk with me and you live in me. Jesus, you are the truth. You are love. You are forgiveness. You are healing. You are power. You are grace. You are God in the flesh. You are God with us. And I'm so thankful that you tell us the truth when you say, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus, you are our overcoming king. You are our peace, even in troubling times, and we adore you. We adore you. We adore you. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen.